0: Hi Wavers. I have exciting news! At long last, we have some new Witchwave merch available for you now through TeePublic. We decided to go with TeePublic for our new Witchwave merch because it is a print-on-demand site, which means you can get different variations of the Witchwave logo printed on t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, magnets, notebooks, oh my gods, the sky's the limit! And the shirts come in different styles and fabrics and colors and are available in sizes small through 5XL, so you can order whatever you'll feel your most magical in. And Tee Public is currently having a 40% off sale now through November 30th, so it is the perfect time to stock up on Witchwave merch for yourself or for holiday gifts. So head on over to witchwavepodcast.com slash shop. Today's episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Witch Baby Soap. Do you like to dwell in the shadows but stay squeaky clean? Then Witch Baby Soap is the soap for you. They make fabulous occult-themed body products like coffin-shaped bath balms, tarot card soap, and crystal-embedded body butters. Their recipes are made with magical intentions, and they're free of all of those nasty things like sulfates and parabens. And now you can get 15% off orders using offer code WITCHWAVE. That's WITCHWAVE, one word, on witchbabysoap.com. So get ready to wind down, lather up, and get some witch baby soap product using offer code WITCHWAVE now. This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Trude Apparel. Trude Apparel creates super stylish, eco-friendly clothing and accessories from soft, high-quality materials like tensile and organic cotton. If you like minimalist black clothing with an edge and often with pockets and thumb holes, which I adore, then Trude Apparel is here for you. From dark florals to romantic sleeves to the futuristically sleek, their subtly unique clothing is naturally moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and super comfy, and they carry sizes XS through 3X in many of their styles. And now you can use the promo code WITCHWAVE to get 20% off your order at ShopTrude.com. That's ShopTrude.com. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman and this is The Witch Wave. Hello and welcome to the Witch Wave. Thanksgiving is almost here, and we have got a delicious episode for you today. But before I get started, I just want to acknowledge that I realize that people have all sorts of complicated feelings about this holiday. And I'm not just talking about family stress, although that can be very real and very complicated too. But I'm specifically talking about the history of America and the indigenous people whose land was stolen and lives were stolen to found this nation. So I just wanted to give a quick reminder once again that this holiday is a perfect time to make an offering of acknowledgement and reparation to an Indigenous organization of your choosing. I am a monthly donor to the Manahatta Fund, that's manahattafund.org, which helps the living descendants of the original occupants of my home here in New York by supporting the American Indian Community House here in New York City. So I recommend that you also donate to them or to an equivalent nonprofit doing similar work in your area. That said, I also believe that humans are capable of living thoughtfully with multiple truths. And Thanksgiving is also a time of gratitude and abundance and generosity. And though it is a highly fraught holiday for many reasons there's also a lot of pleasure and magic to be found during it and to be made during it if we choose to open ourselves up to those possibilities. This year, I'm thinking a lot about kitchen witchery. And I'm thinking about it because when we look at the history of magical practice, so often the magic that was taught via books and scholarship and formal ceremony was practiced by men, whereas the folk magic and the magic of the home, the garden, the woods were practiced by women. And that's for obvious reasons, of course, as traditionally women, at least European women, were not given access to formal study. Many couldn't read, and they certainly weren't allowed in the libraries or the hallowed religious or academic halls of the time. Quote-unquote feminine magic was scrappy and experiential, and often passed down through oral tradition, which doesn't make it any less potent. And I think there's an argument to be made for this method being even more potent in some instances. Because it's about being resourceful and doing whatever works with whatever you have access to, and therefore it becoming even more Personal and concentrated and infused with oneself. Witches are so often depicted with household items. We're talking cauldrons and brooms, and 15th and 16th century artists like Albrecht Dürer and Hans Baldung Green would make images of witches also using cooking forks and distaffs, the latter of which were tools used for spinning fiber. I love thinking about the everyday items, the domestic, so-called feminine objects, that are so often devalued or ignored, actually being infused with secret magic. There's something radical about taking the tools of labor of care, and in some cases, yes, of oppression, and repurposing them as sacred. Witches have agency. They make shit happen. We make shit happen. Witches take matters into their own hands and hearths and hearts. And they teach us that inspiration and transformation can be found absolutely anywhere, including our very own kitchens. It reminds me of a line that my friend Susan Aberth wrote in her book about the brilliant art witch Leonora Carrington. Susan writes that Carrington, quote, Began to develop her own notions about kitchens as magically charged spaces used to concoct potions, weave spells, prepare herbs, and conduct alchemical cooking experiments. So, this Thanksgiving and beyond, as I'm cooking and eating, I'm going to try reframing my kitchen as a space of bewitching alchemy, rather than just a bottomless box of chores. And today's guest, Jamie Della, is the perfect person to help me do just that, as she is the co-author of the trailblazing classic, The Wicca Cookbook, Recipes Ritual and lore. But before we get to that, first let's check and see what's come through on the witch wire.
1: Who is it? Wishes.
0: Paige writes, Hi there. I just stumbled across your podcast while looking for more information about the craft. I love the calming energy that surrounds your podcast. I recently moved in with my mother while I wait for the market to calm the fuck down so I can buy my first house. I started getting more serious about my practice before I moved in, and I want to continue with the basics—warding, thanking nearby trees, collecting moon water, etc. However, my mom isn't a believer, and she started to embrace her Christianity more seriously. What are some subtle ways I can continue to practice without making my mother feel uncomfortable? Please note, I recently lost my job and she's letting me stay here without paying for food or rent, so I do want to repay her by being helpful and respectful. However, her doubt about the efficacy of my rituals puts a damper on things, and I don't want to upset her or lose progress in my self-discovery. Thanks for your help. Hi Paige, thank you so much for writing, and I'm so glad that you found the podcast and that it helps give you some chill vibes, especially around this time of year. That makes me really happy to hear And your question stuck out for me particularly because it came during this time of year when so many of us are negotiating the family dynamics of holidays and sharing space with people who we may love, hopefully, but who we may not always see eye to eye with. And of course, you're dealing with this every day for the time being, not just on special occasions. So I can understand why even though your mom is being so generous with you, it can also be tricky to be under the same roof, right? So here is what I'll say. First of all, I just want to remind you that your practice belongs to you. And so you really don't need to share it with her. You don't need to tell her what you're doing or give her any opportunity to weigh in on your belief system because I know she's your mom, but her opinion really does not matter here. You're an adult and you get to define your own relationship with spirit, just like she does in her own way. And if she asks you about your practice... You can just simply tell her that you respect her beliefs and you're not asking her to change them and that you ask that she do the same for you. It can be as simple as that. That said, I understand that you don't want to be all up in her grill about your practice and there are so many ways that you can still honor your inner witch while being respectful of her space. I'm assuming that you have your own room there And so you can set up an altar in your private space or even in your closet and keep the door closed. And it sounds like you're already doing beautiful work in nature. So maybe you can just take yourself more frequently on walks and do ritual out in the woods or in a park or by a body of water. You can also do bath magic or shower magic And what's great about this is that any evidence of it goes right down the drain or can otherwise be left outside as an offering. And in keeping with today's theme, I especially love kitchen magic because it can be pretty clandestine. No one has to know that when you're stirring your soup or baking your bread that you have used intentional magical ingredients or put blessings in the food unless you want them to. And remember, while it's wonderful to howl at the moon sometimes or chant mystical incantations, you can absolutely just visualize whatever it is you're trying to manifest using the silent but powerful force of your imagination. Witches are masters of the art of subtlety, of shape-shifting, and of subversion. So you may have to be a little crafty for the time being. But it is called witchcraft, after all. I hope you find a home of your own someday soon, where you can be as overt about your occult practice as you want to be. But for the time being, I think having strong boundaries about your privacy and doing respectfully subtle spell work will help you feel connected to the path while keeping the peace. Now, on to my guest, Jamie Della is the co-author of The Wicca Cookbook, which is now available in its second edition. She is also the author of eight other books, including The Book of Spells, The Magic of Witchcraft, and she writes the Herbal Journeys column for Witches and Pagans magazine, the Writing the Magic and Homesteading the Hollows blogs, and she launched Every Last Drop, Exposes on the L.A. Eastern Sierra Water Wars. She also offers a spellcrafting course online, bi-monthly newsletters, and leads creativity and soul collage workshops. Jamie is an ordained shamanic priestess, playwright, and potter, and she has studied magic and spirituality from around the world for more than 25 years. Her next book, A Box of Magic, A Guided Journey to Crafting a Magical Life Through Witchcraft, Ritual Herbalism, and Spellcrafting, will be published by Sounds True in fall of 2023. Jamie joined me from her home in the California mountains via Zoom.
1: Jamie Della, welcome to The Witch Wave. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to talking with you for so long. This is just such a great moment for me.
0: Oh, I'm so thrilled that you're here. And I was so happy to be reconnected with you and your work because I have had your cookbook on my shelf for years. Of course, we're talking about the Wicca cookbook. So I am just like over the moon. I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity right now.
1: <laughs> Longevity will make that happen if you're a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. It, it takes a while hanging out in this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I wrote the Wicked Cookbook, Recipes, Ritual, and Lore in 1999. I was pregnant with my son. And so there was a lot of Mama Earth juice in there, a lot of love, a lot of anticipation and joy and hopefulness. And it came out in October of 2000. And it was a really hard time to be a public witch, but I loved it. I loved explaining what Wicca is. I loved explaining how we can bring magic into every day. And I love the fact that this book is still available 22 years later. That's a feat for any book, much less a book that has once a very marginalized community base. Our witches, we have risen, and there is a lot more of us than there used to be.
0: Absolutely. And it's so thrilling to witness. And it must be really gratifying for you, too. I want to just also make sure we bring in the name of your co-author. Can you talk about how the two of you worked on the book together?
1: Tara Seafeld is my co-author for the Wicca Cookbook. She came on board as a medieval historian. She gained her PhD in early modern European history. So she was instrumental in giving us some medieval recipes and looking through all the woodcuts that we used to make sure that there was no hidden symbolism that was used to persecute women as witches. How
0: fabulous. And am I correct that she is one of the people who introduced you to the path of the witch in the first place?
1: Absolutely. She gave me a Christmas present sometime in the 90s, Spiral Dance by Starhawk.
0: Ah, classic.
1: Right, exactly. So I began with the history or her story of women and power of women being revered. And that was really the basis and the introduction for me to my own personal path in the craft.
0: How fabulous. So... Why did you start with writing about food and magic? Do you have some kind of culinary background that led you to do this as your first book? How did this come to be?
1: Well, actually, I'm a Capricorn, so anything that's in front of me as work, I will take it. (laughs) You know, I had that quote, work is love made visible by Khalil Cabran. And that's me. And what happened is I was working for my literary agent as her assistant, and I was diving into magic. I'd been involved for a while. My grandmother was a psychic reader. So I have always been around the spirits. And what happened is a editor was asking around different people, different agents, if they knew any writers who could write the Wicca cookbook. Oh, yeah. So it came to me as an assignment. Oh
0: my goodness, were you interested in cooking at all?
1: <laughs> you know it, I was into it as far as like water for chocolate. Yes. This idea that our intention is an ingredient, that to me was the genesis and the foundation of the book. I like it having this medieval foundation to stand upon, but the thread that was going through the book the entire time is bringing magic into everyday, bringing that presence and awareness into your cooking and having that ingredient. So actually what happened was I wrote the pitch and my agent helped me and we sent it to the publisher. And this was originally with Kensington and they went bankrupt. (gasps) Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: The Wicked Cookbook was going to be part of the bankrupt assets. And because they hadn't completely fulfilled their part of the contract, they hadn't paid all of the advance that I was getting. I slipped out of the contract and we sold it to 10 Speed Press Every publisher has a catalog, you know, with all their books that are coming out that season. And it was literally the last day. It was the day of faxes. So I remember when the fax came through from the (laughs) legal department saying, you may sell this book to somebody else. It was good, though. It was nine months of me worrying and trying to get it. And I felt like that's what I needed to have the courage to stand up at a Barnes and Noble and talk about Wicca when mm. it's echoing throughout the whole store in 2000, after 9-11 happened and people were very Christian focused. And here I am. I wrote on the back of my car, "Witches is heel yes. in soap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of the broom closet. And okay, now what? <laughs>
0: Here's a question for you. You talk about how it felt a little bit nerve-wracking and vulnerable to be a public witch in 1999 or in the year 2000 when this book came out. I would love to hear about the response. In the beginning of the book, you talk about how when you were workshopping it, you literally had readers in your writer's group who, like, didn't want to read the book because they were so freaked out by it. What was the response when the book actually came out into the public?
1: You know, one time someone walked by me actually right outside of Salem and they said, oh, how to cook witches (laughs) and laughed and walked off. And (laughs) I was, I wanted to chase her, you know, like all the comments come later. One time was fabulous. I was in a Barnes and Noble and all, there was about 20 people in front of me and I was super scared, but I just kept using the wheel of the year to explain what witchcraft is and what Wicca is. I kept trying to find muggle words, mainstream words to explain something mysterious to them. In fall, we let go of what no longer serves us. and we bring our energy to our core. We follow nature as a guide. People could understand that. If I stayed in in those kind of seasonality terms. And that's why the Wicca cookbook, the recipes are specific to the seasons. One time I had someone come in, Barnes & Noble, and she was a grisly old witch. And she (laughs) had a big staff and she clunked in and she literally with a hair chin and all that good stuff. At one point in my book signing, she said, what Jamie says is right. This is so much courage to do what she's doing, to stand in front of you on behalf of all the witches. And nobody here is going to make her afraid. I'm going to stand here for her and you aren't going to put her down. And I just (sighs) stood there. I was so like, it was like we had hired her or something as my witchy bodyguard, you know? (laughs) And it kind of gave me that awareness of like, not everyone's going to understand you, but there's going to be somebody out there and you're doing this for that person.
0: And I'm sure that crone bodyguard was so thrilled to have you out in public, holding the light, being yourself, spreading the magic of this path. And it's only growing and growing. So what a wonderful story. I want to get a sense of your upbringing, if that's okay. I mean, growing up in a Republican area in California, I'm curious how you found your way to this path. You describe yourself as a Chicano witch. And so I'd love to also hear about your family and how encouraging or discouraging they may have been of you following your own magic.
1: My grandmother, my mother's mother, crossed the month before I was born. So she crossed actually this week. This is always a very powerful week for me in November. My mom was only 19. And then I was born December 23rd. Mm. I always had like a grandma Coco. You know, the Disney movie, I always had this connection to the spirit world. She was always there. This ability to speak with my grandmother is very commonplace. My other grandmother was a psychic reader, and she taught me about 1111 and spirit holes and soul families. She would read Tarot on the Princess Cruise Line in the 70s and the 80s. (gasps) Amazing. Nanameen. She would wear mumus that had animal prints and more jewelry than Frida Kailu. And she wore Jeanette perfume and drove a Mercedes. So I was always around this psychic and spirituality. And then I was raised actually in the Christian science faith. So I had a grandmother Coco. I had a psychic grandmother. And I had this Christian science faith. My mom is a Leo, bless her heart, who would say to me, I was born on the cusp of Sagittarius and Capricorn, and she thought Sag would be more fun. She's a Leo. (laughs) She would read me the astrological, see, you're a wanderer, you're a philosopher. And I'm like, why do I just want to work all day? What's the matter with me?
0: (laughs) Mm, Your Capricorn was there wanting to be seen, wanting to be acknowledged.
1: (laughs) In the year of the goat. I'm a double Capricorn in the year of the goat. I really just want to climb hills.
0: <laughs> wow. Jamie, let me actually interject there and bring up a phrase that you used in an Instagram post recently, which is you say, quote, that you have always felt the pull to heal the Terra psychology where you grew up. And that phrase Terra psychology is so intriguing to me and because you eventually felt pulled towards these more earth-based witchcraft traditions, I'd love to hear also how you're incorporating this notion of Terra psychology into your magical worldview.
1: Thank you. Terra psychology is a depth psychology term coined by Craig Shelquist and it means the soul of place. Terra meaning earth. Psychology meaning the soul. so it is the soul of the earth or the soul of a place. Like when we would go to Stonehenge or the ocean, every place or the mountains, the desert have a soul. Sometimes we call it the chi or the vibration. So I believe very strongly in making sure that I'm tending to the land and the spirit of the land wherever I might live. And where I grew up, there was a lot of dissension between the Spanish colonizers and the first people, and that my family played a role on both sides of that. And that is why I've always been very interested in terra psychology. My ancestors, my family, had been there from 1769 is when they arrived, and they were unfortunately the colonists, the Spanish colonists who had come and established the mission system in California. They were in the army and eventually became the first rancho owners of Orange County. So they owned the first land grant that was granted to them in 1810. Wow. Yeah. So where I grew up, up the hill for me, like literally a block, a great grandfather had built the first olive grove because olives were something that the Europeans brought over because you would have the oil for cooking, the oil for heating and the fruit for eating mm. and the shade. Mm. Yeah. So I went to Olive elementary school. This was a school that had been built in the early 1900s. And I would just feel these ghosts. I would feel their presence. And my grandmother, who was a psychic reader, she would say to me, it's because your light is on and the spirits are always looking for someone to listen to their story and maybe help them through it. Mm-hmm. And I said, but I'm eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> How am I supposed to do this? And she said, You have the power to say, I need to sleep. This is my body, my incarnation. You need to give me space. And she said, you have the right to do that at all times. If any spirit is bothering you, you can tell them to back off.
0: Wow! And so Jamie, linking this back to Terra psychology, were these spirits of the land that were talking to you or were these restless ghosts in your family line? Who were these beings or spirits?
1: I feel like it was both Mm. because like I said, I grew up in this place. There was a hill, there was a river that bent around it. It was kind of like the elbow of the river. And I could feel La Llorona, the spirit of the river, This river used to flood and then it was literally dammed up. So I could feel the river's frustration. I could feel the hills' frustration. This is where in Anaheim Hills, they had the Native Americans, the indigenous first people there had sacred land that my ancestors just put their ranchos on. Right. So there was this tension that I could feel in the land and the people. And I swear, I'm like, you know, I think it was those two grandmothers, Maria Josefa and Maria del Carmen. They started all this crap going on in OC. I swear they did it. (laughs) wow and i don't know if they really did
0: but (laughs) sure sure maybe i'm reading into this too much and i don't want to project but just based on how you're telling the story it sounds like there is some healing perhaps that you're hoping to do given the fact that your family caused some strife to the people and the land is that correct is that a fair thing to say
1: I mean, I don't think anyone can really handle all that kind of energy, but at the same time, I will do my part. So, for example, when my son Kobe was born, I took the placenta and I planted it under an aloe vera plant because that way we could continue to have the babies because you could propagate aloe. I still have babies from that plant. And my son is now 23 years old.
0: As in like the babies of the plant, not human As in babies. The babies
1: of, right, exactly. Okay. So just, just, so just, just checking. Yes. Aloe yes. babies. Aloe babies.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. And I really appreciate you talking about your family's history because I know there are a lot of listeners who actually ask me the question of like, I'm not saying this is true of your ancestors necessarily, but like, Maybe their ancestors were assholes. Maybe they were, you said yourself, your ancestors were colonizers. It sounds like you definitely are hoping to heal some of that rift as much as, you know, one person can.
1: Yeah, I feel that's very important. I even went over to Spain and did some magic work there and magic work where I am here regarding water and really doing my part to be cognizant of it, but not take on some dramatic version of responsibility. I can only do my part. I'm not responsible for them, but I don't need to perhaps glorify their actions as I once thought it was amazing that they left their homeland to be here. But then when you realize they came here with an agenda, then I was like, oh, and I think acknowledging it And doing your part to recognize it, but you don't have to carry the pain. You're not responsible for carrying that, but seeing it and doing what you can in your lifetime to heal it and to bring calm and peace. And I do believe recognizing it, just like anybody when you're hurt, when someone sees your pain, it helps.
0: Mm, Beautifully said. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back fall is here. And with the cool autumn air and darkening evenings comes an ancient tool for creating the perfect sacred setting or cozy moment. Of course I'm talking about Mithras candles. These pure beeswax lights are inspired by the modern science of photobiology, along with ancient pagan practices and cosmic mysteries. Mithras candles are handmade by my mythic and scientific pals in Philadelphia and come in traditional golden yellow and sensual black hues, with other colors and collaborations popping up seasonally. You will be hooked like I am once you experience the gorgeous Byzantine hand-dripped style of a Mithras candle and their honeyed floral aroma. Go to MithrasCandle.com to pick up the perfect glowing addition to your mabin moments and more. And best of all, Witchwave listeners get 18% off their first order by using offer code WITCH at checkout. That's offer code WITCH at M as in magic, I-T-H-R-A-S, Candle.com. And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Now look, I'm an air sign with anxiety, so I confess I'm sometimes stuck in my head and focused on stress and problems more than I'd like. But in addition to witchcraft, I have found therapy. To be incredibly supportive because it helps me focus on solutions when I'm faced with a problem rather than just staying stuck in this feedback loop of focusing on what's hard. I've been in therapy myself for years, and talking to a therapist really helps me shift from a mindset of resisting what is into a mode of acceptance and problem solving, which has been such a relief. And that's why I'm so glad that BetterHelp exists. BetterHelp is an online platform for therapy, which means that it's convenient, accessible, and affordable, and that also means that more people can benefit from talking to a therapist. Being in therapy myself over the years has helped me manage my anxiety and PTSD because it provides me with an impartial, caring person whose sole job is to offer support with emotional challenges. Therapy has also helped me accomplish my goals, whether big or small. Quitting my corporate day job a few years back and writing my book Waking the Witch and starting this very podcast were all really exciting and also extremely nerve-wracking, and I truly don't think that I would be as fully actualized as a person doing what I love now without having had that help. And I want that for everyone. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option because you can do it virtually. To get started and matched with a therapist who you click with, you just need to fill out a brief survey and remember that you can switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com WitchWave today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com WitchWave. Be well with BetterHelp. Would you like even more WitchWave? Do you wish you could hear from me and my other bewitching guests on a weekly basis? then come join us on Patreon, where you'll get bi-weekly bonus Witchwave Plus episodes, ad-free Witchwave episodes, and detailed show notes for all. Rewards for some tiers also include magical merch and contests where you can win Witchly prizes each month, as well as early heads up about my workshops before they sell out. And all backers get access to our exclusive digital coven, where I lead monthly online rituals and where you can connect to a community of other wonderful Witch wave witches around the world. So head on over to patreon.com slash witchwave and sign up. It's a fabulous way to get more magic in your life and to support the show. Thank you so much. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today, I'm speaking with Jamie Della. So Jamie, we were just talking about the earth and the earth's magic and how it carries spirit and memory. And I think that's a perfect segue to get into the ingredients and the methods that you talk about in the Wicca cookbook. Because so much of this cookbook, as you said, it's very earth-based, You've organized it around the Pagan Wheel of the Year, which I adore. So I would love to get a sense of when someone is first reading this book, what are you hoping that they will take away from it in addition to just some wonderful recipes?
1: I hope it makes Wicca and witchcraft more accessible to people. I feel like food is something we do every day because people would often say to me, well, what makes a cookbook a Wiccan cookbook? Do you have your own recipes? Yeah. Because that's how I would explain it to people. I would always say it's a seasonal cookbook. I would do this jewelry check and like, okay, if they're wearing a gold cross, I just say, oh, it's a seasonal cookbook. And I leave it at that. (laughs) If you're wearing natural stones, I might mention the sabbats. And if they know that word, then I could go a little further mm-hmm. and say it's a potluck cookbook. Because honestly, 20 years ago, when I would go to pagan rituals, people would bring Kentucky fried chicken. And what the, what is this? We are an earth-based agricultural religion. Why are we bringing Kentucky fried chicken? I don't understand. <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me.
0: Fair point.
1: Yeah. And I thought the earth is giving us things that we need, For example, sage right now is garden sage, not white sage. Garden sage that we cook with, a culinary herb, is an abundant supply because this is an herb that we need to help us with uplifting our spirit during winter. The earth Mm. gives us everything we need if we eat it in season. So that to me was always really important, was not only making Wicca and witchcraft more accessible to people who might be afraid of it through this commonality of eating, but also remind us that Wicca, witchcraft, all these ways of living are really about following nature as a guide, at least my version, right? We can only write from our perspective.
0: Yes, yes. So you write in the book, quote, when cooking is combined with a ceremonial significance, it transforms an ordinary task into an extraordinary connection with the divine source. And I really love that because I have a very, very dark confession, which is I really don't like to cook, Jamie. (laughs) And I feel such guilt about it. And I've tried. I love to eat and I will cook, but it's just not a gift that I have in terms of something like I enjoy or feel called to do. And I've been trying over the years desperately to break through this and to embrace my inner kitchen witch. When I think about cooking as some kind of a magical practice, though, suddenly something unlocks in me. And I'm like, wait a second. This is ceremonial. This is ritualistic. And so reading those words helped shift my perspective a lot. So thank you so much for that.
1: Absolutely. I thought it was so funny because my mom was such a feminist. I was raised as such a feminist and it felt so subservient and demeaning. I don't know why to be like relegated to the kitchen as if I couldn't go anywhere else. Right. My mm-hmm. generation is the generation that really fought back and really enforced working moms. It made me feel like I was going backwards until when I'm stirring my spoon, I realize I'm going Diocell. Okay. Now I'm going shins Okay. Now I can do the pentacle in my cookie dough and that movie like water for Chocolate in the book by Laura Esquivel about intention as an ingredient, then it became a challenge of focus. And that's when I learned to myself really enjoy the kitchen magic and really dive into this idea of paying attention and putting your love into everything that you do.
0: Yes, I love that so much. And really infusing your own intention and your own magic into every gesture, not just the ingredients, but like you said, what direction are you stirring the brew, the cauldron, if you will, or what tools are you using? And And that's another part of the intro to this book I love. You talk about consecrating your kitchen and your stove and your utensils. And I'd love to hear you expand on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I like to, whenever I had an herb garden and I will bless either through smoke or fire or incense, you know, my tools, my scissors, my kitchen scissors, if I'm going to go cut some herbs. I bless them first because I believe that when, especially when we're going to the fresh herbs or even our fresh tomatoes, when we are moving towards that, we're asking the spirit of the plant to put their medicine, their magic into our food. So if we approach the herb or the fruit or the produce or the meat or whatever it is with that respect, that just the same way that we might do it if we were a hunter and taking a deer from the forest as our sustenance for winter. We have that respect for the tomato, for the rosemary. And that's why blessing the tools prior to cutting up something is an act of respect for the plant kingdom, for all of our kin, for everything that's alive. So we really are looking at even our ingredients as our relations.
0: So I'm mindful of the fact that this episode is going to be airing right around Thanksgiving. And of course, then that leads into all of the different winter holidays and eating and food are so central to how we celebrate these moments. Can you share with us some ideas about how we can approach our holiday cooking with a little bit more magic and hopefully a lot less stress, too, in my case?
1: Right. Well, I think the first thing we need there is time. Giving ourselves plenty of time to be present.
0: T-I-M-E, not (laughs) T-H-Y-M-E. (laughs) or maybe both. Right.
1: (laughs) You know, that was the first thing that came to mind is how can we be present if we're too worried about what it's going to look like two hours from now?
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Or four hours or whenever you start, someone's going, really, you take two hours to make your Thanksgiving meal? You know, (laughs) However long you begin your process, it's the same thing. Have a mindfulness right before you begin that you can be as present during the preparation. That is the journey. It is as important as the final spread. I think we're all looking for that hallmark moment or we can take the perfect Instagram photo or whatever it is, and we forget that getting there, that's where everything is layered and builds up is in the process, and if being more mindful and present, and if we need more time and a hot second right before we start to just ground ourselves to do a meditation seeing whatever color light you envision coming from the divine source, if it's above, if it's below, but that you feel that you are that channel between as above as below. And this is that Venn diagram where the magic happens in between. And that is where cooking and preparing for our family, our community, our friends, because the magic is coming together and the food is that glue and you are the one applying that glue. So therefore, your magic is in your presence, is in your attention and your focus to what you are doing and having joy with it, because that is an ingredient. If you're stressed out while you're doing it, that's going to go into your food too.
0: Yeah, exactly. I just have to say that while you were talking, I had this image of the magician card in tarot. And that's an image I think about a lot. Sometimes when I'm doing magic, I strike magician's pose, Mm -hmm. my dominant hand up and my non-dominant hand down, and really connecting that like as above, so below energy, connecting the celestial, the terrestrial, and the thonic, all of that. But I had this image when you were talking, Jamie, of like rather than holding a wand holding like a spoon or, you know, a yeah. ladle or a knife or something or one, or one of each. Yeah. Consecrating <laughs> tools in magician's pose. That might make me feel a little bit more confident and more magical in the kitchen. And then, Jamie, I just have to share. I'm sorry because I'm so excited. I had this epiphany while you were talking. I was like, wait a second. I cast magic circle before I do so many things, before I write before I do a spell, et cetera, et cetera. And yet it never occurred to me to cast a magic circle before cooking until this very moment. So breaking (laughs) news, everybody. I've got a new magical tool in my pocket now.
1: I think so. And I think, like you said, maybe someone pulls out the magician card and you have that to look at while you're cooking. Or maybe there is a kitchen witch that you have, or maybe even if you're making corn or you have corn, you can make your own corn dolly to be a presence of, maybe you're going to invoke your grandmother who was a great chef, and you can peel the corn husk, let it dry. And then make a corn dolly to be present, to be your partner, to help you when you feel like you're gonna mess up, you're gonna burn it, you're not gonna add enough salt, you're gonna add too much salt, all those worries in through yes. your head. Like, yes. oh my god, I forgot the paprika or whatever it is. Yes, yes, know? yes. And then you can give all your worries to your corn dolly and then burn it afterwards.
0: Ah, oh, that is such a good idea. I really love that. And you know. Certainly, I feel connected to my ancestors when I'm making chicken soup that's been passed from my great-grandma to my grandma to my mom to me, my sister. So I certainly feel that kind of magic in the kitchen, that kind of like ancestor magic. Mm -hmm. But I also have so much, and this is now turning into like my witch therapy session, but I have a (laughs) lot of anxiety around like, am I going to mess up? Am I going to hurt myself? I tell this to my husband all the time. My husband is almost six feet tall. I'm five foot two. And I'm like, my face is closer to the stove than yours is. My face is closer to the pan (laughs) with the splattering oil. Like physically, I just feel like I'm constantly in danger in the kitchen, which, you know, makes me obviously quite nervous too. So, oh
1: my gosh, I get it.
0: Anything to like protect me or ground me, I think is really wise, wise advice, sage advice. Oh my goodness. I'm going (laughs) to go to pun jail for that one.
1: In jail. You know, I completely agree. Whole Foods used to host cooking demonstrations and you have this big mirror. I would do events where I would have to talk about cooking and Tara, my co-author was the better cook. Mm. I was the one writing all the rituals. She'd be the kind that could go into a kitchen and go, Oh, we have bananas, tarragon and rice. I got it. I'm like, well, you got what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so she would make these great recipes. But I was the one that was going on tour and making our recipes. And one time I was trying to explain Wicca to people who didn't get it, but I just came to a cooking class and I burned it and they got to see because they had the mirror above and getting out of those things. To me, one of my other books that I loved was How to Free Your Creative Spirit by Sark.
0: Oh, Sark, friend of the pod. She was just on the podcast last season. She is such a hero of mine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. So that was one of the first books that woke me up. I got Spiral Dance and How to Create Free Your Creative Spirit. Those are my two. Mm. She would say, you might remember, you invite your fears in for a cup of tea, you listen to them, and then you say, okay, now you got to go.
0: This is what another podcast guest, Yumi Sakugawa, talks about. She talks about having tea with your demons, mm-hmm. which is also a very Buddhist concept but I love that. Maybe I need to throw a tea party for my demons and my kitchen anxiety. And you know, there I'll be like doing some magic. It'll get me cooking and preparing something. And also I'll get to really sit with some of these fears and then just say, thanks so much for sharing. And uh, you may be on your way now.
1: That's our biggest courage, right? Is seeing the fear and going, okay, well, we're going to keep walking.
0: Ah, yes.
1: (laughs) And not letting it be in the driver's seat all the time. It's like, I hear you. I understand your concern. There might be black ice on the road, whatever it is. And I will be cautious. And now you need to go because if you stay, I'll make more mistakes. And I don't need to make more mistakes to learn this lesson.
0: That's right. Jamie, on that note, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. Rosarium Blends is an esoteric herbal apothecary and cult bookstore specializing in Materia Magica, and it is one of my favorites. They make their own ritual incense, which I often use myself during my rituals. They also make enchanting oil blends, talismanic natural perfumes, planetary sigil incense, cleansing sprays, grimoire inks, erotic apothecary blends, alchemical cosmetics, and so much more. Most of their formulations are original recipes and result from extensive historical research, practical experimentation, and extensive magical studies and training. Each of Rosarium's formulas is blended and charged during the appropriate lunar phases and astrological correspondences to enhance their potency and increase the heightened awareness they were designed to awaken. With a special aim to elevate and enliven the senses, each formula is a living spirit serving as a direct link to the inherent energies its charm embodies. And best of all, Rosarium Blends is offering Witchwave listeners an exclusive promo code for 15% off your entire order, though please note that that excludes sale items, rare books, and some limited items. That promo code for 15% off is Witchwave15, and you can use it at rosariumblends.com. That's R-O-S as in sorcery, A-R-I-U-M. Blends.com. The Path 365, Daily Direction for Ladies and Mothers, Witches and Others, is a book that allows you to open your mind, body, and spirit to a path that is uniquely yours. As a gateway spirituality guide, it weaves coping mechanisms identified in neuroscience and mental health that address mind, body, and spirit and incorporates them into an easy-to-read daily guide. Author Susie Newell received her doctorate from the University of Cincinnati with a focus on coping mechanisms. This book gently encourages people to open their mind to a spiritual path that feels right for them. Like a daily oracle read for the soul— The Path 365 takes you through a journey of positive self-discovery and encourages you to incorporate your practice into every aspect of your being. Whether you have a solid spiritual practice already or are exploring your options, The Path 365 is a unique guide to creating a path of your own. Visit them at thepath365.com for ordering options. And be sure to use code WITCHWAVE for free shipping. And you can give The Path 365 a follow on your favorite social media platform. We are all in this thing together. Create a path that works for you. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Jamie Della. So Jamie, we're talking about your gorgeous book, The Wicca Cookbook, Recipes, Ritual, and Lore. And we've touched on some rituals. I'd love to hear even more about why you chose to incorporate rituals into this cookbook and really anything else you want to make sure that people know about this book especially in light of the fact that a lot of us are going to be doing more cooking over the next, you know, six weeks or so.
1: Absolutely. I made the cookbook with the way I created it It was, as you said, on the wheel of the year, but I was very specific about making it more potluck. There was main dishes and side dishes, drinks and desserts and a bread because I'm a bread hoe and I love my bread. (laughs) So I thought there should be a, a different bread for every sabbat. That was something that I did in honor of my bread. But the ritual for each not only are there seasonal recipes so the thing that you would be bringing for your holidays would be something that was in season but also that there would be a ritual that had to do with the season that you could bring as well that you could do with your family that you could maybe do with your coven whatever it is however you want to incorporate it so that they would be more bringing the magic into a visceral sense. I believe that ritual when we do ritual we really embody the magic and it doesn't stay in our heads, but lives in us. Mm. And I think it's a very important aspect of witchcraft is that it's a living tradition where we learn by doing and by embodying the magic. And that ritual really brings in the message of the moment. And that is as we go into these darker times and literally we lose light. I live at 7,000 feet elevation the sun is setting at 3:30 now behind the mountains. Wow. By winter solstice it sets at 2:30. What? Yes, oh my goodness. A lot of time to myself. Yeah. <laughs> me myself and I. We could hang out. So <laughs> So those rituals really bring you into, okay, this is the time for me to sit with my quiet self, to sit in the womb space. And when I include the lore is having some recipes that are old. My Mexican grandfather's tamale making recipe. My auntie had to teach me. She would give me recipes like, oh, brown the flour. I was like, how do you brown flour? And she goes, how do you not know? I'm like, no one taught me. (laughs) (laughs) And these woodcuts and these depictions are really to bring us into that sense of deep resonance with our food and the process of making it. And the lore is medieval lore. My co-author, Tara, had a lot of medieval recipes and different ways of how we would cook and it was always seasonal because that's all they had, right? Mm-hmm. There was no eco-friendly. That was their life. And I wanted to just kind of bring that back in.
0: Yeah. Everything was organic back then, right? Yeah. Local eating, such a trend for medieval times. <laughs> yeah. So I really love how in the book you write, quote, cook not only to satisfy hunger, but also to quench the thirsty soul that is searching for comfort. and." One of the things that gives me comfort is linking the ingredients of my food to their energy and also to magic and mythology. And I had another kind of light bulb moment when I was reading through this book where you talk about this time of year eating vegetables that grow underground, like carrots and root vegetables. And it's like, clearly, yes, that's what's in season. But you link it to this idea of Persephone and different gods and goddesses that are said to go underground during this time of year. And I was like of course. And it made me more excited about eating these root vegetables. I'm like, ooh, they're underworld vegetables.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like my yam enchiladas. And that's something that's been like, oh, I never thought about. And then other thing is with recipes. And if you don't have yams, but you have sweet potatoes, that works. Mm-hmm. These are all a starting off point. This is hopefully to inspire. You, know, you might decide, I really like cardamom better than cinnamon. Or I prefer for allspice or whatever it is. And those root vegetables, that's another guide. We're going into ourselves. We're going into, again, that womb space, that dark space, the void before all creation. And if we Mm. are eating those vegetables that they are literally born in that darkness, Mm. we can learn to be a ray of darkness as much as we are a ray of light.
0: Exactly. I didn't know carrots could be so gothy, but there we go. I am into (laughs) it, my friend. So I'm curious, are there any recipes or ingredients that you feel called to, I don't know, recommend that we start cooking with more around this time of year, in addition to, of course, our dark rays of roots?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I have a CSA box that we get here because they live in the mountains and so we can't grow anything here. So we get a community-supported agriculture. So that is a collective of farmers who bring their produce together under one name. And Tally Farms is ours. And it comes from San Luis Obispo and comes over the eastern Sierra so that we get this fresh produce. And right now, that's what we have our yams. I have six yams I got to figure out something to do with. And I can't wait to make my yam enchilada because it is so good. I just need to find a cashew cheese. <laughs> that, oh. that I can make that with. Cause I'm lactose intolerant. So I'm like, okay, we got to figure something out. There you go. Yeah. But I think that's the other thing we can, there's so many new things that are available now, like cashew cheese. That's so cool.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You can have a, a vegan emulk, which is yeah. the pagan holiday of dairy essentially.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. I'll just stick to the lights.
0: So Jamie, as we're entering this darker part of the wheel of the year, what are some maybe spices or ingredients that you recommend that we incorporate into our recipes from a magical perspective?
1: Well, I really love ginger as one of the profound herbs to help us at this time because of two different reasons. Because whatever an herb or a spice or any magical thing can do on our physical body, it also works the same on our spiritual sense. So in other words, ginger is warming. So we need that during the colder months. It also helps us fight any nauseousness. So it keeps us centered when fears come in during darker months. Those things are the things that it does to our physical body, but it also helps our mental state and our spiritual state. And I'm also engaging in with my cousin Elise, who runs O'Shala Farm, a magical wellness kit. And we're going to be working with herbs one at a time, simples. The first one we're going to be working with is garden sage because it's uplifting. So, teas and learning about Tulsi. Tulsi tea is so fabulous. So mm. in bringing any of these herbs that will give you the sense of warmth and comfort and being able to stay centered in yourself, those are the magic that we bring in now because that's the magic that we need as the season turns colder and the days are shorter, the nights are longer.
0: Mm. Gorgeous. I love Tulsi tea and you're reminding me I have to go get some more because I think I'm out. So thank then you for I will that. have
1: to send you some.
0: How fabulous. How fabulous. Well, now I'm very intrigued by these magical spell boxes. Is that what you were calling them, Jamie?
1: They're magical wellness kits because Mm. I have always, again, believed in the seasonality. And my cousin and I, we were raised for Halloween together. She is an organic, regenerative, sustainable mom and pop, the largest independent herb farmers in our nation. She's up in Oregon. They have 80 different kinds of herbs. I believe so strong in the life force and when we're doing our magic and we go get our herbs from a botanica or anywhere that like the jar is covered in dust. And I understand that if you have a connection with Rosemary, you can connect to her no matter how old it is. But if you're (laughs) new, it's nice to start with herbs that are literally still pulsing with their life force. Yes. I believe farm direct, nobody even knows or thinks about that. We think about our farm direct carrots, our farm direct yams, our farm direct, even ginger, but not so much our farm direct nettles or Tulsi. We're happy to go and get it distributed, which is fine, but it lives in a distribution center for two years then. The Tulsi I get was picked a month ago. (gasps) That kind of thing.
0: Oh, I'm going to have to get some. Oh, I'm so (laughs) excited, Jamie. Well, I think that that is a good place for us to, sadly for me, because I'm having so much fun, start to wind down, which is asking you, how can people get these amazing kits from you? And of course, how can people connect with you and your magic and your books from here on out as well?
1: Oh, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I am Jamie Della. J-A-M-I-E, Della, You can find the magical wellness kits and it's going to come with a witchcraft is wellness zine. You'll get a bulk herb, dried herbs, an herbal product, a candle, and this zine to tell you the different rituals and the different ways to connect with these plant allies through what I call ritual herbalism. Mm. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. The books you can get on Amazon, bookshop.org, Anywhere books are sold, you can always ask for them. That's always really helpful when you go to your local bookshop and you ask for a book and let them order it and maybe even wait for it to come in. (laughs) But it really helps independent shops and it really helps the authors.
0: Absolutely. And Jamie, I just want to thank you not only for coming on the show, but being so gracious in indulging me in talking about your first book, which I understand has been released in new editions and so on. You do have eight other books. And so I want to make sure that we emphasize that for people. And I just had such a hankering and a hunger, shall we say, to talk about food magic with you just because of this time of year and because I'm such a fangirl of your cookbook. But absolutely, everyone should check out your other eight books, too. Of course. Of course.
1: Well, that's one thing I need to say, too. The Wicked Cookbook was written under Jamie Wood. And I changed my name to Jamie Della, which was always my middle name and my grandmother's name. And so when I divorced my ex, I dropped all the patriarchy. So you'll find to be under Jamie Wood and Jamie Della. I am Jamie Della now. It means of the. So I am always becoming, always evolving. (laughs) Ah, glorious.
0: Well, Jamie, I wish you and I wish you a delicious Thanksgiving and all of the other scrumptious holidays to come. Thank you so much for being on The Witch Wave.
1: I am so grateful to you, Pam. Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's it for the show. Thank you again to Jamie Della for sharing her scrumptious kitchen witchery with me. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Drop us an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on The Witchwire. The Witchwave is a phantasmophile production written and produced by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was recorded and edited by Josh Wilcox and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthea. Our new Witchwave logo was designed by Thunderwing. Special thanks go to Matt Freeman, Lara Antal, and Cece Paschal. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website and now buy Witchwave merch at Witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and give us lots and lots of sparkly stars. It really, truly makes a difference and helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WitchwavePod, and you can check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the App Store. Please consider ordering my book, Witchcraft, and or picking up my book, Waking the Witch, which are both available everywhere now. And if you want more Witch Wave, or you would just like to support the show, please join us over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash witchwave. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.